Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that your Bible is literally the living Word of God? As such, everything we read and study is there to teach and instruct us, not simply to entertain us or tell us a story or amuse us. Do you read and study your Bible looking for what it has to teach and instruct you? Let's open our Bibles now to Romans chapter 15 and see what the Lord Jesus has to teach and instruct us in His living Word. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Today is Friday, March 19th, and it is what, 1.10 in the afternoon here in Texas. We are going to continue uh, in Romans 15 in the last video, I'm sorry, in the last podcast, we only got through verse 1, and I mentioned video because uh, our chief IT guy, Stephen, has, uh, now is has gotten a setup for uh, for YouTube so that you can watch this thing on YouTube and uh, and so you know as he said that will hopefully you know allow for uh, for even more people to hear the word of God um, you know being expounded upon um, and so this is what I look like um, sorry about that um, you know you got to play the hand you're dealt and uh, this is this is how the Lord made me. So uh, go ahead and get the laughs out of the way. Ha ha ha. And then uh, we'll get down to business. Um, our ministry is Kingdom Discipleship. And uh, we're just a non-denominational discipleship ministry. Um, and the foundation is the Word of God and the Son of God, the Son of God and the Word of God in everything. And uh, today we are, uh, you know, we're going to pick up where we left left off last time. Last time we were teaching on Romans chapter 15 verses 1 through 4, uh, but we only got through verse 1. So hopefully today we will get through verses 2, 3, and 4. We'll go ahead and pray. We'll invite the Lord Jesus into our time and then we'll get rolling. Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, and your goodness on our lives. Lord Jesus, we love you, we bless you, we thank you, and we praise you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. We ask you to open the word of God to our hearts and our minds. We commit this time into your hands, Father, now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. All right. So Romans 15, verses 1 through 4. I'll go ahead and read it. We'll do a quick recap on verse 1. And uh, Lord willing, we'll roll through verses 2, 3, and 4 today. Verse 1, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In most podcasts, we, we ask ourselves the question, 
why is this in the Bible? When you come to the scriptures, you want to ask, why is this particular story, um, whatever scriptures you're reading, um, why did the Holy Spirit choose to put it in your Bible? Your Bible's a holy Bible, remember, and God specifically chose what scriptures he wanted in and which he didn't. And when I say God, we have a triune God. The Bible clearly teaches we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They're all omniscient, all-knowing. They're all omnipotent. They're all all-powerful. And they're all omnipresent. They're everywhere at all times. And when you're omniscient and you know everything, that means you can't learn anything. Make sense? When you know everything, you can't learn anything because you know it all already. Uh, that's obviously an attribute, Matthew, that, that applies only to God. Um, there are some ridiculous human beings who have thought they know everything. Obviously, that's, that's absurd. Okay, but, but literally, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they know everything. Hence, they're incapable of learning. You can't learn everything if you already know it all, right? Uh, they're all powerful. That means you can do anything. God can do anything. Anything that can come into your mind or my mind, and then infinitely beyond what can come into your mind or my mind, he can do. Um, it's interesting. The scriptures do say there are things he can't do. It says it is impossible for God to lie. And that's wonderful. That's, uh, that's comforting. It's impossible for him to do wrong. It's impossible for him to be tempted. The scriptures teach these things. Um, our God is perfect. He's holy. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, last podcast, we talked about uh, verse 1, where the Apostle Paul writes, and it's, it's so profound, it's so deep. He says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. And we spoke about what a strong Christian is and what a strong Christian should look like. We talked about a strong Christian is the uh, is quick to apologize, is quick to ask for forgiveness. We talked about one of the foundational qualities of being a strong, mature Christian is, is that you acknowledge what's out of place in yourself. You acknowledge your weaknesses and you're quick to ask for forgiveness. Um, and we, we, you know, a strong Christian has a devotional life with Jesus. They spend time with Jesus, he or she, every day. A strong Christian is trying to grow in their relationship and intimacy with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, and they do that by daily spending time in their Bible, in the word of God. Your Bible is the word of the living God. It's literally God speaking to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when you read the scriptures, you're feeding your soul. In your spirit, the living words of God, a, a, a strong, mature Christian, Paul says, we who are strong, um, is someone who's in the word of God consistently throughout the day, really thinking about the scripture, meditating on the scripture, um, and most importantly, obeying the scripture and repenting, uh, when they fall short. Um, a strong Christian has a, uh, has a meaningful prayer life. A strong Christian is someone who has a, a devotional life where they spend time praying with Jesus and uh, praying to your heavenly father, praying to the Holy Spirit. Um, you can pray and should pray to, to any one of the Godhead, father, son, and Holy Spirit. 
You do not pray to anyone else, any other entity, any other person, alive or dead, ever. Ever. That's it. All of your prayers should be directed to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we're told in the scriptures by Jesus to do it in Jesus' name. Because it's only in Jesus and through Jesus that that our prayers are, are heard. Now hear me. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, to save you from your sin and bring, the hev- bring you to heaven when you die, then the one prayer your Father will hear, your Father in heaven will hear, is a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In this book, we're in Romans chapter 15. If you back up five verses, I'm sorry, five chapters to uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What that means is if right now, wherever you are, you'll call out to Jesus and you'll say, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinful man or a sinful woman. I believe that you lived a perfect life for me, Jesus. I believe that you died a perfect death for me. And I believe that you are indeed alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart right now to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, and to bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. If you've never prayed to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then rewind the podcast, back up the YouTube video, and and do that now. Um, uh, The prayer I gave you was a model to pray to receive Jesus. Uh, the words are not as important as the fact that you mean them, that you truly mean it when you're calling on Jesus, that you truly do know your need of him as a sinful person. The Bible says all humanity has a sin debt, that we're sinful people, and we cannot experience relationship with God. We cannot come into relationship with God, the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit in that condition. We need a Savior. When you ask Jesus to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life, sincerely, as as we just did, um, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives inside you. He joins himself to your spirit and you become one spiritually. You become alive spiritually. You become spiritually alive. God the Father becomes your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ becomes your Lord and Savior and Master and King. Uh, The Holy Spirit becomes your guide, your counselor, your comforter, and you come into relationship with the triune God. There's nothing better than that, ever. There's nothing better than that. And now in that state, you're a child of God, and he hears your prayers, and, uh, and, and you begin to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So... A strong Christian, we're in Romans again, 15, chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong, it says, ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Uh, We did Bible study last night um, in our home. We had a wonderful group. Um, We had an incredible worship session after that. Um, My uh, my beautiful wife, May, just facilitates all that and just all the the leaders there. And it's just, it's wonderful. You guys are just, are incredible. Uh, my big brother Rap came yesterday, um, who you, you've heard me mention him in the podcast before, and uh, 
And, and he sent me a good point this morning. And so I didn't talk about this in the last podcast. Um, when it says we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Again, if you're a strong Christian today, if you're a mature Christian today, and, and hear me, none of us are perfect, right? We all make mistakes. But if, if you have a lifestyle and a devotion to Jesus Christ and you're consistently uh, spending time with him, trying to know him, um, trying to obey him, repent where you're not obeying him, um, and trying to encourage others and build others up. Um, uh, and, and again, this is, this is, this is just for every Christian anywhere. If you're obviously a minister and you have a title, you ought to be doing this all the more. And as I said in the first cast, uh, the first podcast on this, those of us who are ministers and have titles, uh, that's no evidence at all that we're strong Christians. Just because someone's a pastor or elder or, or, uh, or a Bible teacher, you know, or a deacon, um, or a minister or, or an apostle or prophet or whatever they call themselves or whatever I do, that's no evidence at all that we're a strong Christian. Okay. A ministry title literally means nothing except that we're, we're more accountable to Jesus now. Uh, you remember James 3, 1, right? The book of James in your Bible, chapter 3, verse 1 says that, that not many of you should desire or presume to be teachers because we who teach will face a stricter judgment before Jesus. And that, that's, that's a scary verse. And uh, matter of fact, I'm a little scared just, just saying it because I'm a Bible teacher and this is what I'm doing. I'm teaching the word of God and we need to do it in the fear of God. We just need to teach the scriptures and let the scriptures say what they say. And my job is to get out of the way, right? I need to get out of the way of the scriptures and let the word of God speak. Does that make sense? That's what a teacher's job is. I'm not here to give you my opinions or my thoughts or, or anything to do with what I think. What I think doesn't matter. What does the word of God say? What does your Bible say? That's what we all need. We don't need any more words from man or woman. We don't need people's words. Okay. I listen to them all day. It's maddening. Listen to my own voice can be maddening. Um, but we need the word of God. We need the scriptures. And so as I was talking and, and, and sharing with, with rap this morning, again, uh, his brother in Christ, older brother, big brother of mine. And, uh, you know, he made a good point. What does he mean when he says bear with the failings of the weak? Um, well, when he says the weak, again, he's talking about a, a weaker Christian, someone who does not have a devotional life that's strong in Christ, someone who's not obeying Jesus as much as that, you know, uh, as they ought to be. They, they're, they're a Christian. They believed in Jesus, but they're not a strong disciple of Jesus. Um, and so when it says that when we're strong, you know, to bear with the failings does first mean that we need to be patient when people make mistakes, right? Now, it doesn't mean that, that, that we, you know, we're passive when other Christians are living sinful lives. It doesn't mean we approve of it in their life or our own. Okay. We always go with our, for ourselves first. Well, you know, when we have mistakes in our life, we, we go to Jesus first and we repent and we ask forgiveness. Now, again, this has nothing to do with our salvation, our sins being forgiven, going to heaven. Okay. That, that's based on what Jesus has done alone. Um, but as a lifestyle, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, um, before we go pointing out other people's issues, we ought to be, you know, cleaning up what's in our own lives that's out of place. Right. You remember when Jesus said, first get the, the log out of your own eye. And then you can help your brother or sister get the speck out of their eye. Um, as strong Christians, 
Every Christian is called to be a minister of Jesus Christ. Not everyone's called to be a professional minister or a paid minister or a vocational minister, but every, every, every Christian, Jason, is called to be a, a minister and to minister the word of God and the son of God as a lifestyle. And the more we grow up in Jesus, Scott, the more we'll do this. Um, that should be a mark of a strong Christian as well, is that they're consistently talking about Jesus, consistently bringing up Jesus, consistently wanting more Jesus in their lives and, and in other lives, Patricia, right? Um, and so as strong Christians, it says to bear with the failings of the weak. Now, again, that means that you should be patient. And I confess it's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the things I struggle with most, right? My wife is my wife May is leaning on me all the time. I need to be more patient. Okay, uh, we need to be patient with Christians who who are are struggling and are weaker in their faith. Uh, we we need we, you know we we have to tolerate it. We shouldn't be consistently frustrated all the time. Um, but that's not what it. That's not the only thing it means. Okay, um, when it says we who are strong, rap right, um, ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Um, to bear with it doesn't only mean to put up with it or to tolerate it. It's so much more than that. It means to kind of shoulder, you know, some of the weight with them. It means to get down in the trenches, in the trenches, and, you know, kind of lift them up, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of carry some of the weight with them. Does that make sense? So it means to bear some of the struggle that they're going through, right? You're, you're strong in your faith. Um, then, then you need to, to, to find the brothers and sisters in Christ that are around you and come alongside them and get down into some of that, that difficult place, into those trenches, into the, the difficult things you're going through and to be a part of it with a heart to lift them up out of it. Does that make sense? You want to bear with them, not only by tolerating them. Obviously you have to do that. You have to be patient, but you want to, you want to kind of put some of the weight on yourself right? You want to take some of that weight that they're dealing with and say, let me, let me walk with you in that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, and it says we need to do this in these incredible, you know, five words. And we talked about this and not to please ourselves, Tom, right? Um, we don't, you know, uh, as we said yesterday, oftentimes, and we admitted this in Bible study and it's, it's terrible, right? But sometimes, you know, First of all, sometimes we can take pleasure when a weaker Christian or a believer has, has problems, right? Sometimes when people make mistakes, we, we, could, we, we have this, this kind of, it's disgusting, really. But we, we, we can be pleased when other people are struggling, when other people make mistakes. Um, sometimes we're happy when Christians make mistakes because it makes us feel superior. It makes us feel, you know... Um, you know, our pride makes us happy that, you know, well, we're not behaving that way. We don't do these things. And as my, uh, my sister Jessica said yesterday, uh, save the grace of God. So go I as Christians, we should never, ever, ever, ever think of ourselves like we're something because without the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, we could be in any bad situation ourselves. We could make any mistake ourselves, save the mercy of God in our lives. Now, again, this is not to say that we ought not have lifestyles of growing and maturing and living holy lives. This is simply to say we shouldn't be self-serving in our service to our brothers and sisters in Christ that are weak or struggling or going through a trial, right? 
uh, I said last time that, <clears throat> excuse me, I said last time that, uh, that sometimes as ministers, we like, you know, um, the fact that we're needed. We like all the amens. We like all the, yeah, you know, we just like all the, uh, you know, the, 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 the nice attention people give to us. We like it when people, you know, are happy with what we're saying. Um, and, and, and forgive us father. I mean, uh, it's true. You know, uh, we feel better when people like us and when they don't. We feel good when people are complimenting us. And we get pleasure from that. And sometimes, y'all, you know, we can, uh, you know, we can be serving people not just because we want to serve them with their interests, but we can have a, uh, we can have our own interests and our own desires in serving them. We're trying to, to build ourselves up. And so the apostle, you know, gives us this incredible insight that when we're serving and getting down in the trenches and bearing with our brothers and sisters in Christ and help bearing that load they're dealing with, um, that we ought to do it, Melanie, in a way that it's not for pleasing ourselves. Right, Esther? Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's verse two. It says, each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So do you see that? Now, who's your neighbor? Your neighbor is who is ever nigh to you. Wherever you're near right now is your neighbor. Okay. Each of us, every Christian, okay, should please his neighbor. Look at that. You know, we should, uh, you know, we should, that's an interesting statement, right? I have a uh, uh, an older man that I write an exhortation with, and uh, also my brother Tom, who's an elder at Kingdom Discipleship. His name is David. He's in his 80s. He's a wise man, and I appreciate him. I love him. We've been working together, I don't know, 12 years, Dave. Um, and it says, each of us should please his neighbor, but it's not telling you to be a people pleaser, okay? Uh, the Bible speaks against pleasing people consistently, Okay. Um, Paul makes it clear, right, that, that he's not here to please man or to please people. When he says man, he means man and woman, right? He's here to please Jesus, to please God. Your heart and my heart should not be to please people, okay? But at the same time, you know, my, uh, like I said, this man, Dave, and he's, he's, he is, uh, you know, he's been a spiritual father to me. And, you know, he's often said to me, you know, John, you're not a people pleaser. You're a people displeaser. Because apparently much of what I do is, uh, it's not only not pleasing, it's displeasing. And so um, verse 2 said, each of us says, each of us should please his neighbor for his good. Okay? So you should be trying to, 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 to build up your neighbor and help them for, for their benefit. Now, what does it mean when it say his good to build him up? It's saying for his good in Jesus, in Christ, to build him up in Christ to help him or her go from uh, going from a weak believer, uh, Peyton to a strong believer, Chloe, right? Um, to please them for their good in Christ. The only good in your life that really is going to have anything that matters for eternity is your good in Christ. Now I confess, I look for good things everywhere. You know, I like good things, food, you know, uh, you know, fun, movies, entertainment, whatever it is, right? But when it says should please his neighbor for his good, the best way you can please your neighbor is for their eternal good. Biblical good. 
please them in Jesus Christ. Okay, now this is not a religious thing, right? You don't do it because you have to. You do it because you get to, because you want to have an impact on them in Jesus, for Jesus, through Jesus, and to Jesus. That's the meaning of life there. That's really all that matters, right? We say it all the time, right, Ross? Living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus, right, Kayla? Carissa, those four things, right, Melanie? You want to spend your life pleasing your neighbor, encouraging him, building him or her up, right, for their good, living for Jesus, building them up, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and most importantly, forgiving for Jesus. You want to do all these things, okay? Um, you want to have a lifestyle of whoever's near you, whoever's your neighbor, um, you want to, to, to please them, but not please them in a worldly sense, okay? Um, not please them by just ignoring, you know, the the areas of their life or your own that are out of place, right? This is not an excuse just to just to ignore the sin in our own lives or other people's lives, right? But your goal should be to build them up, not for you to uh, to want to build yourself up in your service. Sometimes, and I confess I've done this, you know, we'll minister to people or try to help people but we're really more concerned about how it's going to make us feel or what we're going to get out of the deal or, you know, how we're going to be blessed in it um, as opposed to just looking to, uh, to be servants. We said this in Bible study yesterday. You remember when Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant and your slave, it says. I try to think of that because as I've said before, when we become ministers and particularly vocational ministers and we have titles and we make our living at all this, um, our job should be to be the greatest servants, the greatest slaves to the body of Christ, right? But sometimes it's the other way around. We like being served, okay? And I certainly do. Um, and so I have to spend my life more focusing on serving others and building others up as opposed to wanting to be served. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to help us and to forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, where I have uh, just consistently fallen short of this. Um. Now, verse 3 is going to give us the ultimate example, Gwenda, right? Um, verse 3 says, for even Christ did not please himself. Even Christ. Why does he say even Christ? Jesus is God. Christ is God. Full-blown God. And yet he didn't look to please himself. You would think when you were God and when you're perfect and when you've never done anything wrong, that it would be okay. For you to want to do things to please yourself. But this is not what Jesus did. Ever. For even Christ did not please himself, verse 3. But, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. What does that mean? Uh, there's a lot we can glean from this. But when, when people were angry with God... When Jesus walked the earth, they would take their anger out on Jesus. When things weren't going their way, when God wasn't showing up for them in the ways they thought he should, or when they didn't understand things, right? Um, in Jesus's time, the people, the Jewish people, were looking for a savior like King David. They were looking for a conquering king, right? They, they could not have imagined a suffering servant. 
which is what Jesus was, you know, when he came uh, as Savior. Now listen, when Jesus comes back, and he is coming back, and I hope he comes back before we end this video, podcast, we do both now, I guess. I hope he comes back before all this ends. Come, Lord Jesus. The Bible ends with that. The Apostle John ends the Bible by saying, come, Lord Jesus. That, that's the call of our hearts, that Jesus would come, right? When Jesus comes back, he's not coming back as a suffering servant anymore. He did that. When he comes back now, the next time, it will be as the conquering king, almighty God, Lord of heaven and earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, but when he did come, verse 3, for even Christ did not please himself. Jesus is the greatest example of what it means to, to be an others-centered, God-centered human being. Jesus set the greatest example of what it looks like to be God-centered and other-centered. He is our example. We want to live our lives by being Christ-centered and other-centered. Remember, Jesus is God. Okay, Jesus consistently focused on his heavenly father perfectly when he lived his life perfectly. Okay, Jesus never did anything wrong, Scott. Perfect in word, thought, and deed. Perfect. Never sinned in his thoughts. As people, we consistently sin in our thoughts. Never sinned in his words and never sinned in his deeds. Perfect, Susanna. Um, and so he emulated and did everything according to his heavenly father. Now, Jesus said in uh, John 14, he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. So Jesus, when we see Jesus and how he lived and everything he did, that's a picture of our, of our heavenly father for the father, son, and Holy spirit are all one. They're all God. They're always on the same page. As I said, they all know everything. They don't have discussions and say, hey, what do you think about this? Maybe we should go this way. Ah, maybe we should do this. They're perfect. They're always on the same page. They have perfect unity in their relationship. It's incredible. Um, and so we ourselves want to have this example of Christ. And look at how Christ lived his life. It says... When people were frustrated with God, the insults fell on Jesus himself, right? People in their anger would take their frustrations or irritations or misunderstandings of God out on Jesus. And this is an example to us, right? This is, and verse four is going to be the famous verse we always talk about y'all in Bible study and everywhere else, right? Um, where we say for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. We say that in almost every podcast, it's not there to be a cool story. This is verse four. It's not there just to, you know, just to tell us what happened. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Not just to tell us, not to entertain us. Sometimes we go to church, we just like being entertained. You know, looking around, we'd be happy. We'd rather the pastor dance. That's not why we're here. I'm sure I'm plenty amusing, but... We're here to teach the word of God. When you're studying the word of God, it's here to teach you. It's here to instruct you. It's here to instruct me and teach me. Um, and so 
When he says, for even Christ did not please himself, he completely lived an other-centered life. My brother Luke yesterday, you know, he made a great point. He, he, uh, he remembered what we said. Some of the old church fathers, you know, um, you know, from 50, 100, 200, 300, 400 years ago, would say that the greatest quality of Jesus, if you were to just pick his greatest virtue, and obviously there's, there's many, but if you had to pick one out, what would it be? And they said that the greatest virtue of Christ was his selflessness, as Luke said yesterday, right? His selflessness. And that's in contrast to our greatest difficulty, which is our selfishness, right? As human beings, we have a sinful condition and we're selfish. I confess I want my way all the time. I like having my own way and, uh, and, and I'm sinful in it uh, oftentimes. And Father, I ask you to forgive us. Um, so, so Christ's greatest quality was not to please himself because he was selfless. So he didn't look to be selfish and to please himself, but always to, to please his father and to be a blessing to everyone, everywhere he went in thought, word, and deed. He looked to, to obey his father in heaven and, uh, to be a blessing to every person he encountered at all times. And we see this throughout the Gospels. I said yesterday during the, the breakout group, it was, uh, um, you know, that my, uh, that my brother Caleb and, uh, and a rap were leading, right? That um, you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? It's a pretty bad day, right? He's dying for the sins of the world. He's been beaten to, to an inch of his life. He's humiliated. He's naked. He's hanging on the cross. And uh, he's dying. He's becoming sin. He's taking the entire sin of the world onto himself. It's a pretty bad, hard day, Lentz. And then he's got two men on each side of him, both insulting him, right? Both railing at him. But one guy comes to his senses. One guy, you know, comes to a revelation by the mercy of God the Father that he's wrong. And he, and he yells at the other thief and says, you know, we deserve what we've gotten, but this man has done nothing wrong. And the man turns to Jesus and says, Lord, have mercy on me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, is the exact words. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. Now, if I was Jesus, I might have said, you know, bruh, I got a lot going on right now. Okay, I got my own troubles right now. I'm kind of, you know, doing the whole dying for the sin of the world thing, right? I'm struggling here, bro. What does Jesus do? At his most difficult moment, Stephen, at the hardest moment that we will never be able to understand in all eternity, Jesus takes his attention off himself. He stops thinking about himself and his struggles He's already prayed. People coming up insulting him while he's hanging on the cross naked. He's dying for the very people before him. And people are insulting him, mocking him while he's on the cross. And if you remember, he prays for them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. And then later, this thief repents sensibly by the mercy of God. Jesus stops, takes his mind off himself and all that he's got going on, turns to the man and says, and he comforts the man and says, 
he assures the man that today, he tells the man, you will be with me in paradise. A guy had to feel pretty good, right? That man received Jesus right there in the last moments of his life. Well, that there was, remember, there was Jesus in the middle and there were two thieves being crucified next to him. And the point I'm making is, in, in the worst incomprehensible moment of his life, Jesus went to please that man and to comfort that man. Someone who had heretofore been insulting him, like every, like all the people, you know, in front of the cross. Right? He not only forgave him, but he gave him his attention and he comforted the man. It's an incomprehensible example. Our greatest example in everything is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I look over here. I'm looking at this clock, how long I'm rolling here. Um, so we're going to wrap it up. Jesus is our example. If we're going to tr- live a life for Jesus Christ in this world, we too are going to be insulted. We too are going to have times where we're mocked. And I don't like it. We don't like it. We, uh, As Christians, one of our biggest failures is we don't handle mockery or disrespect or persecution well at all. You know, we don't want persecution for Jesus, and uh, we don't like it. Certainly, I don't. And I ask you to forgive us, Father. Jesus is our example that if we're disrespected, and we're maligned, and we're mocked, and it's hard because often this happens in the church as much as outside the church. Frankly, it happens more in the church. And, and, and that's... And I'm sorry, Father. We, 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 have, we have much work to do in the body of Christ to grow up, to be strong, mature Christians. And part of that is how we handle disrespect and uh, how we handle persecution. And uh, I confess I, I often don't handle it well. I'm sorry, Lord. But Jesus absorbed the insults of God. When people were mad at God, they took it out on Jesus. And if you're going to live a godly life in Christ, Tommy, Jose, Stephen, Josh, Jordan. If you're going to live a godly life in Jesus, Caleb, Eddie, Jesse. You know, then you too are going 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 to have to absorb some some mockery for Jesus, some persecution for Jesus, some uh, some people who are angry at you, you know, and by being and when they're disrespectful and when they're angry and when they're frustrated and when they're irritated, how you and I handle it is important. We want to handle it the way Jesus handled it in love. You know, I've said this before, we want to be people you know, that, that want the will of our heavenly father in our lives. And if he's allowing us to be persecuted, we want us to actually love those people who are persecuting us, pray for them and want their best. I've confessed this many times and I, and I got a long way to go, but the Bible says, Jesus set the example when he said, father, not my will, but thine be done. And in most of my life, I'm not that kind of man, it seems. I have so much to grow. The Bible says that that's the kind of people we should be. We should be men and women who say, not my will, but thine be done, Father. But instead, I live my life saying, Father, not thy will, but mine be done. And it is the cause of every problem I, I have.
right? So, um, Father, I ask you to help us to be um, thy will be done, men and women. That we want your will in our lives, Father, even if it goes through the road of difficulty and persecution. And then we already talked about verse 4. And uh, every time you come to the scriptures, you ought to consider Romans 15, 4. For everything that was written in the past, everything in your Bible was written in the past. This was written 2,000 years ago. Everything that was written in your Bible, the 66 books in your Bible, from Genesis, there's 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. Old Testament starts with Genesis, ends with Malachi. New Testament starts with Matthew, ends with Revelation. All of those 66 books are the Word of God. They have all were written in the past, right? They weren't written in your life, right? Everything that was written in the past, it was written to teach you and instruct you. Uh, you know, so when you read it and study it, you want to see what are the principles, what are the instructions for you? You know, he quotes a verse here, and I believe it's Psalm 69, we said yesterday, um, about and this, this, this verse that the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me was a quote Paul used from the Old Testament in the book of Psalms. But everything that was written was there for our instruction to teach us. Um, and so we want to see when we're in the scriptures, wherever we are, wherever you're reading today, you want to see what it has to teach you or instruct you. It says for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And in Bible study, I said, you know, the encouragement of the scriptures, we were talking about this last night, the encouragement of the scriptures. I, I thought it said the encouragement of Instagram. Looking at most of us as Christians today, I would have thought it said the encouragement of TikTok. I would have thought it would have said the encouragement of Xbox or computer games or whatever our hobbies are, right? Where do you get your encouragement from? The encouragement of television, Netflix, Hulu. What else? What are they? Um, Amazon. We watch them. My wife and I, she does more than me, but you know, you know, I have my other hobbies, right? Where do you get your encouragement from? This says, so that through the encouragement of the scriptures, Susanna, that's where you want to get your encouragement from. When you read the word of God, when you study the word of God, it may not feel like it's doing a whole lot, but it is. It's encouraging you. It's imparting encourage pop, right, Damon? It's imparting courage to you. It's feeding your spirit and your soul. So if you'll be in the word of God, Bobby, it's going to encourage yourself. It's going to encourage you and your spirit and your heart in the scriptures. And it says, if you'll do that, if you'll spend time in the word of God and you'll encourage yourself in the scriptures, that you'll have hope. You'll have hope that you didn't have before and your faith will grow. Your faith will be refined. Right, Chloe? And, uh... And you'll have hope, Ireland. So, Father, we just uh, we thank you and we praise you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. We thank you, Father, for the word of God. And above all, Father, we thank you for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior and, and Master and King. We thank you, Father, for Jesus. 
Father, right now, I do want to lift up my brother Bobby, who's struggling with COVID in the hospital. And I just ask for your mercy on him and your healing on him, Father. I ask you to be with him. I ask you to comfort him, Father, in the name of Jesus. I ask you to be with him. Father, I pray healing in Bobby and all those struggling with this, uh, this terrible sickness. I ask you to restore our country and restore the world, Father. Pray your blessing and healing and mercy to all those struggling all over the world with this sickness and any sickness, Father. And I pray, Father, above all, that you would use it to draw them closer, as you have Bobby, to Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, use it to draw them closer to Jesus Christ our Lord. Use it to draw us, one and all, closer to you, through and in and for Jesus Christ our Lord. Holy Spirit, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.